Hello. Welcome to the myths and history of Greece and Rome. Chapter 85, Swamped. Okay, hold on to your seats. We're going to get through a fair few emperors in this chapter. The crisis of the 3rd century is about to gather pace. So, let's meet the current emperor and a couple of his senior colleagues who, it will come as no surprise, will end up with the top job too. Gaius Messius Quintus Decius, who was born at Badalia, now Martinci, Serbia, and then in Lower Pannonia, was one of the first of a long line of future Roman emperors to originate from the region of Illyricum, south of the Danube. Decius was a distinguished senator who had served as consul in 232. He'd been governor of Moesia and Germania Inferior soon afterward, and had served as governor of Hispania Tarraconensis between 235 and 238. Decius was urban prefect of Rome during the early reign of the Emperor Philip the Arab. Very early in his reign, Decius had appointed one of his most trusted colleagues to the governorship of Upper Moesia. Gaius Vibius Trebonianus Gallus was born around the year 206 in Perugia, Italy. He married Alfina Gemina Bibina and had two children with her, a son, Gaius Vibius Volusianus, and a daughter, Vibia Galla. He appears to have had a traditional political career, serving as senator and as consul. Gallus quickly became popular with the legions as a strong but fair commander. As we've heard, Decius was persuaded by the Danube legions to rise in battle against Philip and become emperor. The Senate declared that Decius was indeed the new Augustus. They wished him luck, and just to make sure the luck was going to be really, really good, they gave him the title Trianus, in the hope he may be as great as the very great Trajan. Decius acceded to the throne in 249 and immediately assessed the state of the empire and decided he didn't like what he saw. Decius thought that Rome's problems were caused not by outside invasions but by the behaviour of the Romans themselves. There was too much laziness, corruption and partying going on to run a successful empire and it was going to stop. The emperor decided there were two solutions to this problem. First, he was going to bring back the job of censor this person would be responsible for making sure the population behaved themselves. Next, he was going to make sure everyone did their fair share of praying and worshipping the traditional gods. Decius quickly identified the man he wanted to take the job of censor. Publius Licinius Valerianus was likely born around 200, but very little is known of his early life. He married Ignatia Mariniana and they had two sons, Gallienus and Valerianus Jr., Gallienus was born around 218. The man we will know as Valerian made his first appearance in the story of the empire in 238 as an ex-consul negotiating with the embassy sent to Rome by Gordian I's African legions to secure senatorial approval of Gordian's rebellion against and replacement of Maximinius Thrax. Now, in 249, Valerian was a very important senator in Rome. He was also not at all stupid. He could see the position of censor was important, but may also be dangerous. If Decius eventually thought the censor was too powerful, he might start getting worried, and then the likelihood of Valerian finding his own head on a spike was quite high. Valerian bravely turned down the job and asked for a simple governorship in a border province. Decius agreed, and Valerian was sent up to be governor of Noricum and Raetia. We will meet him there a little later. Decius never got the chance to appoint anyone else as censor because, in late 250, the Goths came a-calling, and not in a good way. Before we get to the Goths, though, 
Let's have a look at Decius's other drive to get the Empire following the rules. He issued an edict, a general order to everyone, that all citizens must offer a sacrifice to the gods of the Empire. This was fine with most people, but the Christians were not having it. They believed in their one god, and they were not going to sacrifice to the Roman ones. This resulted in a lot of general torture and persecution of the Christians, including the executions of the Pope Fabian and a number of bishops. This made Decius, like Nero and Domitian before him, and Valerian and Diocletian after, one of the Roman emperors most hated by the Christian communities. Coinage of the time declares Decius to be the restorer of cults. This was somewhat presumptuous, as polytheism was definitely going out of fashion. Twenty years later, the emperor of the Romans would be practising a form of monotheism associated with the cult of the unconquered son. Less than half a century after that, the emperor of the Romans would be a Christian. But anyway, in late 250, Gallus, stationed on the Danube frontier, sent word to Decius that the Goths had started raiding the border provinces, stealing treasure and quickly legging it back over the border with their stolen goods. The Christians probably thought that this was divine retribution for the persecution. Anyway, it was time, said Gallus, for Decius to lead an army to crush these impudent barbarians. They were, it seems, especially scary this time, because they were led by Cneva, king of the Goths. He appears to have harnessed the abilities of his people and turned them into a formidable fighting force. Cneva means knife, and we can be pretty sure that messing with a man called the knife is a pretty bad idea. Decius appointed his elder son Herennius as co-emperor and set off for Moesia. Before he left, he gave orders for yet another complex of baths to be built in Rome. The baths of Decius on the Aventine were finished in 252. He also had the Flavian Amphitheatre repaired. The Goths had attacked and besieged the city of Marcianopolis without too much success. Then they probably had headed south to besiege Philippopolis, modern-day Plovdiv, an important city in Bulgaria. The emperor couldn't or wouldn't come to save the city, and the military commander gave in. He betrayed the city to the enemy and was promptly declared emperor. He was swiftly killed by loyal officers. Usurpers were rising with disturbing frequency in the provinces and in Rome itself. Although the rebels were all quickly killed, it's clear that Trianus Decius was not a patch on his great namesake. The honorary title must have seemed like some sick joke to the Roman people. Geneva's main army, under the king himself, crossed the Danube at Oiscus and then headed eastward to Nove, where it was repelled by the Roman army under Gallus. Then the invaders headed south to exact more plunder. After a number of successful raids and the acquisition of a considerable amount of treasure, Caniva headed home. There, the Emperor Decius caught up with him. When Decius found the Goths, he was determined to live up to his lofty name. He wasn't going to let them get away with their plunder, or so he thought. Decius decided it was time to chase them and fight. Caniva, far more worthy of the title Trianus than the Emperor, saw what was happening and came up with a brilliant, cunning plan. He pretended to retreat, but once out of sight of the Romans, near the town of Abritus, he turned his massive army around and arranged them in three lines. The third and last line he positioned just behind a gloopy, messy, boggy swamp. The first two lines he placed in front of the swamp, so nobody could see it. The Romans arrived, and battle commenced. Early on, things looked bad for the Romans, Herennius was killed after just a few minutes when he was hit by an arrow. 
Decius forced his army on, shouting, Let no one mourn, the death of one soldier is no loss to the Republic. The fighting was vicious and bloody, but soon the Romans seemed to be winning. The first Gothic line broke and the Romans stormed through. Then the second Gothic line broke and the Romans stormed through again. In front of his army, Decius saw the third and last Gothic line and prepared himself for a great victory. He ordered the attack and charged with fire and venom towards the Goths. He charged and charged and charged, very quickly, right into the middle of the gloopy, messy, boggy swamp. The Roman soldiers became trapped in the marsh and couldn't fight, run or even move. The Goths launched themselves at the helpless legionaries and slaughtered them. Most of the great Roman army was killed or lost in the swamp. Almost all of the commanders were also killed, including poor Decius himself. His body was never recovered from the bog. Trianus Decius was 50 years old when he disappeared into the swamp at Britus. He had ruled the empire for just two years. It's my humble opinion that Decius has to go down in history as one of the worst emperors Rome ever had. He grabbed the throne opportunistically. He accepted an honorary name he almost certainly didn't deserve. He alienated a considerable number of people in his empire by persecuting the Christians. He enforced rigid moral discipline on an empire which needed military strength, not a prudish clampdown. Finally, he lost a good proportion of his commanders and thousands of men in a battle that a better commander could easily have won. Clearly, not a success. We will leave the last word about the Battle of Abritus and the fate of Decius to the historian Zonaris. Decius and his son and a large number of Romans fell into the marshland. All of them perished there, none of their bodies to be found as they were covered by the mud. Caneva had won and the Romans were beaten. Fortunately, Caneva wasn't interested in staying in Roman territory. He just wanted the gold and the treasure. Trebonianus Gallus was just about the only senior commander who survived the battle. He surveyed the carnage and then agreed the Goths could keep everything they had taken and that the Romans would pay them money every year not to invade again. Rumours abounded that Gallus had stood by and watched while brave Decius was killed, or, worse, had betrayed the empire to the Goths. All of this is highly unlikely. Everything that's known about Gallus, and to be fair that's not much, suggests that he was loyal and high-minded, and this kind of behaviour would be seriously out of character. So, yet again, the empire had no emperor, but this time it was worse. The emperor had been killed in battle. This had never happened before. The whole empire was in shock. Fortunately, both the army and the senate had a plan for replacing Decius. Unfortunately, these plans were not the same. The legions proclaimed Trebonianus Gallus emperor, while the senate declared that Hostilian, the younger son of Decius, was in fact the leader. Hostilian had been left behind in Rome, while his father and brother went to fight the Goths, just like Domitian had been left behind in Rome by Vespasian and Titus. Luckily for the empire, Gallus and Decius had been great friends, and Gallus wrote to the Senate saying that Hostilian was a great choice for emperor, and why didn't they just share the throne? The Senate were not too keen on another civil war, and so it was agreed. Rome had joint emperors again. It didn't last long though, as Hostilian died of the plague just a few weeks later. Gallus's reign was based on the principle that he would try and make sure things didn't get any worse than they already were. He first marched back to Rome and secured his rule. 
Gallus was a big, powerful man who was greatly respected by the Senate and the people, and nobody opposed him. Despite this respect, though, he was clearly out of his depth when it came to turning around the crisis. Mind you, pretty much anyone would have been out of their depth. It took a truly remarkable man to turn the fortunes around, and that man was not Trebonianus Gallus. Gallus appointed a man called Marcus Aemilius Aemilianus as governor of his old province of Moesia, an appointment he would come to regret. Gallus had made peace with the Goths, but in the east the Sassanids had heard that Rome was getting a bit of a kicking, and they decided to invade. The eastern legions were not as ready to fight as they should have been, and Rome was about to be on the wrong end of another defeat. In 252, the Persian king Sharpor, who had been beaten by Timosithius, attacked the eastern frontier, perhaps due to a dispute with the Romans over control of Armenia. Advancing up the Euphrates, Sharpor quickly defeated the Roman forces at the Battle of Barbalissos and soon controlled most of the province of Syria. In 253, he completed the annexation of Syria with the sack of Antioch. Gallus did not take any action to stop Sharpor's advances or bolster the eastern defences, probably because his army was simply not strong enough. In 253, Caneva decided that the big wads of cash the Romans were paying weren't enough and launched some more attacks. Against all the odds, Emilianus defeated the Goths and was an overnight success. Everyone loved him. The Moetian legions, of course, decided they wanted this new winner in charge, and so they declared Emilianus to be Augustus, Emperor of Rome. He accepted, and with the legions that had so recently supported Gallus, he marched on Rome. Gallus gave an order to Valerian to bring the Rhine legions down to Italy to fight off this new imperial challenger, and then led his army and met Emilianus in northern Italy. Valerian's troops decided that their own leader would make a better emperor than either of the two other candidates, and so they declared him Augustus. The troops under Gallus seemed to have come to the decision that they weren't going to win, and Gallus and his son were executed. Trebonianus Gallus may have made a good emperor in better times. His heart was certainly in the right place, but he had reigned for just two short years. His head was put on a spike and taken to Aemilius Aemilianus. Aemilianus went to the Senate, who reluctantly declared him emperor. They were not a happy bunch. They had agreed to accept Gallus as emperor as well as Hostilian to avoid a civil war, and now, only a couple of years later, this idiot general had started exactly the kind of civil war they'd been trying to avoid. Not only that, another idiot general had also been raised to the top job by his troops and was on his way. And this man, Valerian, was a much better bet as far as the senators were concerned. Less than a month after Emilianus's rule was ratified by the Senate, Valerian arrived in Italy. The Moetian legions changed sides yet again, and, as if they hadn't killed enough emperors recently, they murdered Emilius Emilianus. Another head, another spike, another dead emperor. Emilianus had reigned for just a few weeks. So Valerian was now declaimed emperor, and everyone, it seemed, agreed. Nobody had any more fight left in them, and everyone simply wanted a rest. Valerian was a respected senator and a good commander, and once again the people thought that things may be about to get better, especially when Valerian immediately appointed his capable son Gallienus as co-emperor. But if the Romans thought that Decius dying in battle was bad the fate of poor old Valerian would be many, many times worse. If you're enjoying the podcast or would just like to give any feedback or ask questions, then please contact me by email 
mythandhistory at gmail.com or friend me on Facebook, Paul Vincent Myth and History. Please go to the website www.mythandhistory.podbean.com where you will find a link which can take you to the ebooks on Amazon which cover the first 50 chapters of the story. So, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time. <laughs>